0: I'm Kareen and you're listening to Eat Like an Artist, the podcast that celebrates creatives, mindful entrepreneurship, and mental wellness. Each week, we dive into practical business advice and deep conversations among creative friends and role models, speaking openly and inclusively about life as an artist. We don't believe in gatekeeping because everyone's welcome. This is your community too. Let's find the balance within creative entrepreneurship with all the love for the art and none of the burnout and self-doubt. Today we have Emily Harris. She is a professional dancer turned recent online business owner of Language Travel Adoptee. She has been a guest speaker for multiple language learning conferences, including the Polyglot Conference in 2023 and Women in Language in 2021. She speaks nine languages. And I'm not kidding. She really does speak nine languages. And she describes herself as a creative in dance, creative writing and video editing as you can tell she is an absolutely multi-talented person and she's super nice which is just like the cherry on top of everything with dance training from Slovenia to germany emily ended up finding herself working as a professional dance artist in north carolina and we got to finally meet on the state side a little bit more on how we met um later on in the episode though she still maintains dance on the side currently she went through a long period of grief to make the pivot towards a business that felt more authentic to where she is in life Mental health and vulnerability have been important for Emily to maintain, investigate, and expand no matter where her interests lie. She still finds she can employ a lot of what she learned from the professional dance world into her own budding business for foreign language learning. I'm really excited about this episode. I really am so glad to have Emily on here. So I'm not going to put in any other fluff. We're just going to go right into it. Okay, we have Emily here on the podcast. You want to say hi to the listeners? Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Karine, for having me. Yes, and actually, this has come during a time that me and Emily have yet to catch up. So it kind of works out that we're going to be sitting down here talking to each other. You're actually going to hear a real conversation of us catching up and seeing how we are. But I know that, you know, while I know you, the listeners might not know you, And they may not know who Emily is outside of your work or outside of your career. So we're going to do some like really quick, what is your favorite blank? Just because I was going to be like, oh, what's your fun fact? But as I've told other guests on the podcast, that's so cringy. (laughs) It makes me think of
1: school. So let's do favorite song right now. Favorite song. Now, I am not one to keep up with the trends of what's going on with the radio, I remember I tend to be really nostalgic with music and I always go back to like music that I discovered back in 2017. Yes. (laughs) So I would still say my favorite song for right now that I've been listening to in the car is called Criminal by the Backstabbers. And it is a song that I found when I was in Latvia. I was just couch surfing for about two days and my host was playing just a lot of music that was in uh, Latvian. So I didn't understand any of it, but then the song came on and I understood it. I was like, this is the best song ever. So ever since then, I've always had that like on my YouTube playlist. Cause I only listen, I don't really listen to like Spotify music. I mostly listen to YouTube and just put it in my own playlist. So, uh, I would say definitely, definitely that for right now. May I need change. to add that to my list of songs to listen to yes yo what if i made
0: like a spotify playlist of if i ask guests about what their favorite song is it's just gonna be a big yeah it's gonna be so many random like genres but i feel like it's just gonna be cool (laughs) to have it it all in one spot just give everybody some recommendations
1: yeah all right next question Uh, let's do favorite country that you visited Favorite country that's always a hard one because i always think about I guess, favorite, like, how do you define favorite? Because I'm thinking about maybe favorite, like, most beautiful, but also favorite, like, where I connected the most with people. So,
0: (gasps) maybe overall, what is, like, you know how, like, there's, like, the best overall? There could be, like, different areas that each place is really great at, but... What is like, I guess, the best Mm -hmm. balance of all of them?
1: Yeah, I think, well, I guess I would have to say Italy. I mean, obviously it is beautiful. It has wonderful food. But that was, I mean, that was really the point. Like my very first dance experience abroad. And again, just like first experience being totally independent. So I'd have to say that. Also, the people were amazing really eye-opening, probably, probably the most eye-opening moment of my life thus far. <laughs> so oh, really? I have to say Italy. That sounds really cool.
0: That's yeah. definitely a country that I have on my like top list to go visit. Yes. Mainly because I feel like I can at least know the language a little bit more, or at least yeah. the entryway into it. Oh, oh if um, y'all don't know, me and Emily both well, Emily can definitely speak Spanish better than I can, but I can just at least understand it. (laughs) But um, I feel like with Italian, it's a little easier to know that language just because it's quite similar. I mean, there's differences, but at Mm -hmm. least the learning curve isn't as much as me going from like this language to one that's a completely different grammar structure, different history, Mm -hmm. different everything. And yeah, Italy... The food, I'm about to take a cooking class there too. So i going to manifest that right now. <laughs> and I'll definitely message you whenever that make, I make yeah. that happen so that I could be like, all right, what are all like your recommendations of where I should go, all that kind of stuff. Last question. And you've probably had this question asked you before because you speak nine languages. Which one is your favorite to speak?
1: My favorite to speak? I would still always say German. I mean, I really love any like a lot of specific characteristics of each language but I think German again because it holds the most nostalgia for me and it was the very first language that I guess catapulted everything else on the journey and inspired me to learn more and it just feels right like there's just a place in my heart where it just feels right and even though I wouldn't say that I want to live long term in Germany like sort of been there done that but you know definitely visiting at this point but not going there and staying there any more than like a visiting period. Like it's still like, it makes me kind of sad because German is still like my favorite language and just to be like surrounded by that constantly, um, even at the grocery store is an amazing feeling. So I'd have to say that and I'll probably stay that way forever. That's so cute. It's like the whole (laughs) concept of you'll never forget your first love,
0: but in like a language sense.
1: Exactly.
0: Yes. Now that we've established that German is your favorite language to speak, there are other, there are eight other languages that you speak. And in the intro, I said, wow, yeah, Emily speaks nine languages. But what
1: are actually all the nine languages that you speak? Yeah. So, of course, English is my native one. Then I went to German. I had French in high school. I went to Italian, Spanish. I went to Turkish, uh, Arabic, Russian. And then I've just added Chinese this year. Yeah. Oh my mm. gosh. It's so cool. It's like the dream to be a polyglot like that. Oh my gosh! Well, believe me, it's, it's there's a lot of nuance <laughs> behind
0: this. Oh, I'm things. sure. I'm I'm coming into this like I'm the yeah. outsider that's like, wow, this is a cool thing that you're doing, and you're the one that's like, I understand <laughs> the amount of hard work that there is, and oh, I feel like it's gosh. the same thing with art too. Yeah. Also, again, listeners, I think I mentioned it in the intro, but in case I did not, Emily's also a dancer as well. Can you tell our listeners how we first met? And how our paths cross in this world of dance and creativity and language, too.
1: Yes. And that is, wow. So that was back in 2019, I think. And I'm not sure what stage of, like, if you were about to graduate, too, from college. But I definitely came to Panama for just that week of, um, like, dance volunteering and cultural exchange right as I graduated that was kind of like my graduation present to myself and we went through movement exchange which has been around I can't even remember when they originally established it but it was like probably in the early 2000s and it's been around for a really long time I
0: think we were the we had the 10 year showcase so I think it was 10 years yeah I remember our exchange was the one where we participated in that 10 year showcase it was like a huge thing Mm -hmm. which I guess it worked out for whenever we went. I didn't even know it was going to be a 10-year thing.
1: But I was like, okay, cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely right. Um, And then, yeah, we were there for about a week. And we had the showcase where we also danced a piece. But we also had a whole, like, opener where... We were assigned with another dancer on the program or just like on our program trip to choreograph a little bit for the kids as we went around to different, I think like three orphanages um, that the movement exchange program gave dance classes to And then they could show um, everything that they had learned and really have, again, a cultural exchange, right? Because they were all Panamanian, but we were coming in um, as Americans and I think that was always what drew me like outside of myself like it was both the languages and then also the dance and again like movement exchange is perfect for doing both so that's why I was really drawn to it but I think like I mean, there were points where we would just kind of wander away from the group or whenever we had free time. Like, I think Dallas was there too. Yeah. And like, I remember us going and I still have a picture of that really big, like amazing bowl of seafood and noodles. Oh, that that was... I still think about that to
0: this day. I'm like, my mouth is watering. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh gosh, that was probably the best seafood I've ever had. I I think that was one of the best parts of the trip too, was that we got to go there because of the whole mission but then we also got to connect with a lot of the people that are there I can't remember exactly all the different places that we were at but I know that we were all like scattered a lot around the U.S. Mm-hmm. like everyone from different places and it's really funny how you and I met there at Panama and then mm-hmm. you know years later we were like hey we're in the same city now let's meet stateside yeah. like I still think it's like really wild because you as a person in like your face I still like think Panama and -hmm. so whenever I see you here I'm like this is weird this is different (laughs) I'm like your face is connected to Panama when I'm like over there but you're here but I think that was always such a nice
1: such a nice time I still kind of like look back at videos and pictures and I'm like oh man I wish I could do it again yeah. And I remember, I think we really connected when you like took out your camera and you were like, Hey, does anyone want to take pictures with oh, me? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I still love those pictures. <laughs> like, oh, those that was my
0: best one. <laughs> you, you use one. Don't yes. you use Yeah. For, um, your, Oh, just actually a profile picture. Yeah, yeah. your Profile picture. And mm-hmm. I also remember seeing it on your new, would you say like new language learning business? How would you kind of categorize?
1: Yeah. What I mean, right Oh, it's, It's in the stages of becoming a business. I mean, it is something that I just committed to like three months ago, and I didn't even say the word business until like one and a half months ago. (laughs) So it's still in the very early stages, but I know it's something that I feel is just like more authentic at this point in my life for me. And just, it just feels right.
0: I love that you're starting to categorize it as a business because interestingly enough, I feel like. Whenever we do these creative pursuits, especially in the entrepreneurship side of it, it's like, I don't want to call myself like, for example, full-time because I'm not doing X, Y, Z, or like there's a certain point we have to meet. For the longest time, for me, I didn't consider myself a full-time photographer until maybe a couple months ago, even though in reality I was working a full-time income since like more than a year ago. But there was a part of me that thought, oh, because I have a part-time job and I have like another job on top of it. I'm not a full-time photographer, but I am working this full-time and Mm -hmm. I am putting in a lot of time in this and I am running it like a business. So it makes sense to categorize it as so. Mm -hmm. So I'm really glad that you got like that confidence to refer it as that. Was there anything that happened in particular that got you to be like, yes, I'm actually running a creative business?
1: Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I mean, You were really inspiring because, I mean, I've been following your journey ever since we met in (laughs) Panama. I'm like, she's just so cool. And I just love her Instagram, like back in 2019. And then I just kept following you and following you. I also love your movement when you dance. Like I remember when we were doing that very last, uh, sort of like our presentation dance just for the participants in the program. And I was like, wow, I like, she's one of my favorite movers in this group. Like I love it. Oh my gosh. Um, So I, I still remember when you, I don't know. You were, you were initiating part of the group, like moving over to like the front of the stage at the very end. I was like, yep, she, she should be first. <laughs> she needs to have the spotlight. <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah, so you were really inspiring. And then I think just meeting with, especially with creative entrepreneurs, but especially like language business online entrepreneurs, I, I, did a talk at a conference and it was my very first one. I had to pre-record it because I was way too nervous to actually give it live. I think after we had stopped, you know, I think it it was over like 4 or 5 days for the conference and then I never really knew about the group, probably because I didn't network at all. Like I didn't know that it was so valuable to network with people after you speak at a conference, but I just totally ghosted everyone. And then I started to, I reactivated my Instagram about four months ago. Um, cause back then I was like, I had nothing to do with social media. And then I just like plunged like headfirst in, um, into just all the social media world. And then, I started to reconnect with some of the people that remembered me for my talk back in 2021. And then they were like, Oh, we actually have a group. It's called um, women in language was the conference, but it was called women in language, uh, like entrepreneur group. And they had invited me to it because I was like, yeah, like I want to build more of a presence and I want to really take YouTube seriously and like build an email list and a business like behind that. And, um, well, I didn't say the word business, but I was like, I want to build more behind <laughs> that. And so one of, of the people who had been following my YouTube channel he was the one that introduced me to that group and after I finally went into the group there was a little bit of imposter syndrome because I was like uh why (laughs) why am I in this group (laughs) but it was really eye-opening because there I, I just saw I mean there was still a lot of doubt but there was also like a lot of support and um there are definitely a few who stand out to me in the group who really give, like, real feedback and are really open about their experiences with online business, with creative businesses, like, really doing your own thing and just being scared and having doubts. Um, and so that really opened my eyes to, well, like, I mean, they're just like me. Like, they don't they don't seem like it because they already have their website up. They already have, like, all of their digital courses out. <laughs> but they're just like <laughs> me, like, um, just just who they are. And so that definitely pushed me forward and I was like I was finally like on the second meeting I was like yeah this this is a business (laughs) I haven't gotten registered yet but I I really want to this year at some point um just for the LLC and uh see where it goes from there
0: hey and I I know you're gonna Mm -hmm. make it probably by the time this comes out maybe you're already doing the steps towards the LLC and like I said well technically even though you may not be LLC it's still sole proprietor I'm pretty sure actually I'm not a I'm not an accountant (laughs) our lawyer please do not (laughs) take any of my what i just said as something that is yes this is written law kareen understands no i don't i don't understand stuff i quite honestly you and i we will find the people that will know the llc and all the legal stuff we will focus on our creative stuff and our marketing and sales and things like that speaking of marketing and sales have you gotten to utilize social media since essentially starting this language learning business because there's a
1: lot of creativity that comes even into doing marketing within social media. Mm-hmm. And I am still learning as I go. Of course, I feel like even as when I was like really into dance, I was like, I feel like this whole audition process that I was used to doing as a dancer, I was like, yeah, I have to like constantly prove myself and like be here and like I'll show up and everything. And now it's just like, Well, you have the whole C in front of you to put out whatever you want. No one has to tell you anything. You don't have to show up for an audition. Like people, people will organically follow you. And so, and just going from literally zero to 100, I mean, I, I didn't even know how to post a story like four months ago. So just, but I knew that it's so important to eventually like, you know, get more visibility and then you know grow your audience from there like i i took a few i love amy porterfield for like all of her business related stuff and marketing like i definitely started with her because i really didn't know where else to start it's just i guess i mean i had my youtube channel i started it back in 2020 and then i took like a year long break but i at least had a little bit of more experience being on camera and editing like just basic editing just for a video so I was like I gotta figure this out for real (laughs) (laughs) so um you know and also just I guess like marketing in a sense of it being directly like this is what I'm offering versus like it being a little bit more subtle like bringing in something that has to do with whatever you're offering and then you mention it at the end so it's just very natural progression of Mm -hmm. where where people would go so I'm still figuring all of it out but I'm I'm very proud of myself for, for now. Like I, I remember I I actually wasn't doing mentally very well Mm -hmm. back. If you had asked me this even a month ago, which is so crazy that it's already May, but even a month ago, I mean, I barely ate anything because I was so hyper-focused. Like I, I was like, we're, we're too late to turn back now. Like I need to schedule this one other thing. And like, I mean, some, some of the stuff that we were already talking about whenever we caught up a few months ago and I was really asking you about your process and how you came to be where you are and doing everything full-time and really what you love to do and you were talking about like actual rest and mindfulness and I (laughs) I still have the notes from that but when you're actually in it and you're figuring all of it out and of course there are like different components to like a language business compared to a photography business right so I was like I just have to get everything figured out. Like I need to batch all this content, and there was really no rest. Even though that, I mean, I'm very big on mindfulness and authenticity, vulnerability, um, and I encourage rest from language learning. But now it's like, well, you got to apply that to yourself. Like, yeah, it's hard. It's so hard, especially with like this very new venture that I feel like there's so much at stake. You know, <laughs> so it's like, do you mm-hmm. ever feel like you're running out of time? I don't know if you feel
0: like that. That's how I felt when I first started my business. For some reason, I was super obsessed. I was doing, I don't know why, 40 hours of work a night if I could. Mm. (laughs) And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I need to do this now. And I was acting as if I was going to perish tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So did you ever feel like as you were starting to build this, that you were just go, 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 that you almost forgot, hey, I have values in terms of being mindful and
1: in terms of being Hey, I need to rest. Yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely felt like that like a month before. And I think in my body, right, as a dancer, I finally knew my physical limits as well as my mental limits. But my physical limits and my physical exhaustion, like that was the main thing that I looked for to kind of like rest and I I even knew like the point where I shouldn't go past in order to rest and like not burn out and stuff so I recognized it through my body and I was just used to that and now that again you know I'm still doing my own thing creatively but now it's like all mental and I think what I am really glad that I did was I took my very first international trip after the pandemic like locked us all down and that was to Iceland where I didn't have service. Like I had to rely on Wi-Fi, and otherwise I just didn't have anything. And so that's why I was killing myself over batching, like at least like two and a half (laughs) worth, two and a half months worth of content, because I was like, I I have to get this done so I can relax. And then once the trip finally got there and I was at the airport, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to relax, but then I know I need to. And Mm. so, so I'm glad that I was finally I forced myself into an environment where I couldn't look at my phone. Like I may have gotten like a, whenever I was at the Airbnb, like I would get a notification to just like post something through Adobe, Adobe express. And that was it. But after that, like I just shut everything down and then it was so much easier to just be in the moment again. And after two and a half months of like continuously educating myself, like continuously going through all of these business trainings and batching everything, I was like, Oh, this is what life is supposed to feel like, like, this is what I have been wanting. This is what I'm working towards building a business towards when I really wanted to further my dance career. This is what I was building towards, like freedom to do what I loved. And I can't forget that while I'm in the moment. So I came back, even though it's still a little bit hard, like I, I'm better For these past two and a half weeks, we'll see how we how we do. But for these past two and a half weeks, like I have set a timer for myself. I have said I will make a checklist, like a sort of a to-do list for tomorrow so that I'm not stressing myself out because again, the work feels like you're just going and going. But if I know exactly what I need to do in order to stay on track for tomorrow, then I can finally put my work away at like six and then like make time a little bit more for language learning, make time to like just fry my brain with like I, I love watching like all of that true crime stuff on YouTube. Oh my gosh so. me too I was just listening yeah. to a, an episode before we met up for this podcast so. Exactly like I love it and sometimes you just need to do that for your brain so so yeah I found a place where for at least for right now you know I can say this, this is my limit this is my personal limit and I if I go past it like it's not going to be good I cannot let I mean, it's almost half the year, right? So I was like, I I can't live like the rest of 2023 like I was living like February, March and April of it. Mm -hmm. So
0: And yeah, it's super important to really set those boundaries. And I tell people that advice, oh, make sure you set your boundaries on yourself. And it's going to be do as I say, don't do as I do, because I'm also very much Mm -hmm. a person where I know this is a good thing to do, but it's very hard to put that into practice. And I actually wanted to touch on how you mentioned your body. Did you like notice something about your body that kind of got you to check in that, oh, wow, I'm actually like working like myself too much. Was there something like, were you like starting to get sick or anything like that? Or was it just that there was a feeling in your body that you were thinking, okay, wait, I'm not doing something that is in line with what
1: I should be doing. Yeah. And that awareness, because I didn't have that awareness until I got... Injured. I had. I got Achilles tendonitis after not being properly educated about how to warm up and cool down your body. I hate that. Like dance teachers, like you need to get get into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I. But again, I'm glad that happened to me at. 18, instead of at like 26, when it would probably take more time to heal. But at that time, I mean, we all know, especially like if we're dancers, like it's so mental, like way more than it is physical. Cause I know that the the actual tissue, it healed within like four months of me actually going to a, uh, a foot doctor. And then it took me about a year mentally to recover from that because I was so like, Oh, like I can't push, I cannot push. And so after I got into, more into the professional scene where I saw, you know, people even taking breaks for themselves because they were trusted to do that. Like they knew their own bodies and everything. And just knowing how my body works, like I, I really started to value that a lot more and just like rest and like lay down. Um, don't do that workout when you get home, like just, <laughs> just have that Epsom salt bath. Um, so I think for always, for me, it's always a very, like, it's not, a headache necessarily, but I do feel really fuzzy in the head and maybe even, can I name it vertigo? Like, I mean, it's just like a dizzy feeling Mm -hmm. in the head whenever I know, like I'm about to, you know, do something where like I may lose consciousness of full body awareness. And then I do something that, that can get me, um, injured if I push it. So, um, right before that time, you know, I know when to stop and just like back away or like, I knew when to say, okay, like, can I, can I like actually get a water break or just like a restroom break or anything while you go through that one more time if we've, you know, if we've rehearsed a piece like two times in a row. So like the, those kinds of things, like I was, um, I had done that for years before I actually like transitioned into this. So it's, it's just another reframing, but just like in a different sector of life. I mean, there are similarities, but definitely, I mean, this is, This is something that I've never done before, but I don't think I would have been here and being like drawn to taking risks like this if I were not, if I didn't have a dance background, you know, Um, I mean, I, I remember when I even just dropped everything, I didn't know anyone in Berlin, but I knew that there was a thriving art scene with a lot of artists. And so after Panama, when we saw each other, I stayed for about two more months in the US and then I went up to Germany again and I mean I could speak the language but that's that's mainly all I had was the language and a lot of research and I didn't have anything else and so just being so mindful of myself and knowing that I was eventually going to be okay right now it's a little bit harder for me to remind myself of that in this stage where I've just I've never experienced anything like that before but I know like deep down that I will be okay. And that's that's always the mantra that I've gone with, like in language learning, even before that to Berlin, even before that, you know, when I was, I had more time to travel um, and do dance and everything. I really like how you have this ability to draw from your dance background,
0: even into something that largely a lot of people will probably see as a completely different business or they think completely different skills. But you even, you even brought up that, hey, you know, they're kind of, what is it, two sides of the same coin? I'm not very good at idioms, but yeah. I keep referring to them. <laughs> but I love it. But in terms of running a business in language learning and dance, they do have some sorts of similarities in their process. And I'm also really glad that you're taking the time to rest and be mindful because you saying all those things that were happening with your body, I was literally sitting here like, ah, oh, no, please be okay. Oh, also, did you eat today? I did, yes. Okay, good. I did. Okay, good. I wanted to make sure because you did mention that I have the same um, tendency, too, that when you did mention that you don't eat when you're super focused, I also have that bad habit as well. And, you know, while we can be really hardworking entrepreneurs, lunch is important. (laughs) And so is dinner. Yes. And And water. And water. Hence my big like half jug I have over here that I refilled. Yeah. But it's so easy to get so obsessed over something. And especially if it's a business that we love, because- I know how much you love language learning. You've spoken on that so many times. And I know I've spoken very much how much I've loved photography. And so it's easy for us to be Mm -hmm. like, this is the work that fulfills me and nourishes me. But water does Mm -hmm. much better job in making sure that you're actually going to be able to continue the work and not get those dehydration headaches. I don't know if anybody has felt those dehydration headaches, but I definitely do. Mm -hmm. For the longest time, I thought I was getting sick or was going to be like some sort of ailment, but it was really just because I was not drinking water because I spent the whole day editing Mm -hmm. and I was just going and going and going. But it's so important to have those timers and be like, hey, it's time to stop. It's time to not do this. With you really implementing that mindfulness into entrepreneurship, how have you been able to find that balance between the two, especially when we live in a world that's so hustle culture type of Mm -hmm. mindset?
1: Yeah. It's hard to find it. It is. I talked about this. Like I, I knew at one point this year that I was like, I'm going to go back to my meditation books. There was a period of time when I did a lot of like self help and really a lot of self therapy during the time when we were locked down. And so I think that for me really just sitting and even like going on like a 10 minute walk so I'm not in the same area, like forcing myself to go out or forcing myself to go into another country like I did with Isla. That was great, yeah. but that was like extreme. <laughs> even like, even just doing a really, really easy, like meditative sort of Pilates class, because I, I, I still want to go back to like regular dance class, but I have not been having that as a priority up until, up until now really. And so um even just something that gets me in tune with my body again cuz i really miss that like i've noticed like if i don't do dance then i'm not grounded
0: i feel the same way reality. too i'm
1: not like I I need it. yeah there's just
0: i don't know there's just something about dance that just it's some spiritual shit or something it is there's just some power with it but i totally yeah. get you on that like i don't feel i don't know i feel like my anxiety just goes but if I'm actually yeah. like dancing, even if it's like I'm at my house and I'm just playing some music, mm-hmm. it's so amazing how much better you
1: feel after it, too. And you were talking about like, you know, after a whole day of editing, it's like, well, it's like 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. <laughs> I was like, like 8 a.m.? <laughs> you were up all night? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past my, you know, myself that I was a month ago <laughs> <just> trying <laughs> to do that. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's something that really makes me cherish the passing of each second and I have never found anything else in my life that can do that for me so even though I I went through a really big grief period that lasted about a year and I'm still kind of sad about it like I I just knew that I didn't feel the same on stage performing and I was like there's something wrong like I this is what us dancers live for I mean this is not going to be you know you can't sell it like a CD you only have your your videos that you can look back on. But even then, I mean, it's the feeling that you have in your body and just, yeah. And it, there's just nothing like it, but I just wasn't feeling that anymore. I just, I, I knew I had to pivot somehow. And I knew that I still wanted to keep it a part of my life. So, you know, I've still been doing just like very, you know, light workouts that I can, you know, keep it in there. And I I knew that, you know, like the whole networking thing, the likability factor, like building up your network, like getting used to multiple streams of income. Like I'm even more, I'm even more comfortable as like a part-time person, like having a lot of part-time things because, I had, I I mean, I still am in my first full-time job and I'm just like, this is weird. Like I, I feel comfortable, but like not because I've never had it before. (laughs) So yeah. So it was just a really big pivot, but even just incorporating that, I do a little bit of language coaching too. And it's just such a blessing for me to incorporate some of that body awareness into feeling grounded away from all of your thoughts that are like, you know, messing with you and you just feel like you can't escape. Um, and then before you know it, like it's, you know, you're, you're ruminating about that the whole day and then um, time just slips away from you. Like I, I love introducing that sort of practice into like language learning in a sense and um, even just being in front of the camera, like I, or even public speaking. Cause I, I spoke at another conference this past or I think it was a month ago yeah so even just being in front of people like there's of course there's some nervousness but there's a sense of comfort because it reminds me of dance even though I'm Mm -hmm. not moving you're still like (laughs) performing in a sense exactly yeah and so there there's just so much that translates and I remember when I made the pivot now I'm just kind of ranting here but I remember when I made (laughs) the pivot and I remember also in regards to not feeling feeling it on the stage anymore I also felt that you know, I wasn't appreciated. Like I was like, I wonder like how, how many people am I really touching today? How am I even making a difference? Like, I don't feel like I'm making a difference. I feel underappreciated and everything because I can't, I feel like I can't turn this into full time work. I feel like I'm always going to be stuck at this tax bracket. Maybe that's what I deserve. Like, and just all of these really like damaging mentality sorts of thoughts that you know, really put you in a box and it puts others in a box. And I was just like, I just, I know I need to make a pivot, but I know that dance will help me do it, even though it's not like the main factor that is in the forefront, you know, of everything. Like it's very in the back, but it's something that I just, I want to bring and like translate into another part of my life. And hopefully maybe when I feel like it, like I, I will go back a little bit more doing a little bit more than just, you know, really, really small, like maintaining workouts for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know where I was going through that. But hey, no, I thought <laughs> I was, I was feeling it because yeah.
0: I feel like I'm also in the same area with dance where I'm in the grieving process of it too. I think it's so interesting how our lives have crossed and we're in this very similar yet different process where we're p- pivoting into a business of, in a creative aspect, you with language learning and then me with photography, but we came from a background of dance, but we're also still grieving that disconnection from pursuing that as a career. And it's always been something that's been hard for me to, I guess, verbalize. So with you, I know you said you were ranting, but I was like, literally like, yes, this is how I feel about it. I am grieving about this. Even though you're not participating in dance in the same facet as you did before when you had it as a career, do you still call yourself a dancer?
1: I do, yeah. I mean, it was it was weird even just being on the podcast too because I was like, artist, like I, I'm i still an artist and <laughs> everything <laughs> like that, even though, I mean, we have all of these labels and with those labels come like different expectations that we built in our heads, that society built around us. So I was like, you know what? It's all subjective anyways, so I'm just going to... Just be on the podcast and literally just be like, this is my story. Like, this is how I came to it. We all have different stories. I'm really big about that in language learning. Um, Not just, you know, what you see surface value. There's so much behind us around, like, what labels there are that we, you know, that we use in order to explain something really quickly, I guess, you know. But, and I'm glad, I'm glad that you resonated with me so highly on that because it's a really, it's a really, I mean, when I was going through it, I didn't even really know how to verbalize it either. I just knew that there was a great sadness, but I was just like, I am so discontent with what I'm doing and I don't know why. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm definitely still an artist and there are many ways to translate that in our lives.
0: I feel that discontent that you're describing when it came to pursuing dance as a career, at least for me, whenever I was in that stage, I realized in my grieving process that dance was just meant to be something that I love to do, not something that I needed to earn money from. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we were able to pull the lessons from our dance background into our new business pursuits and really understand the lessons that it gave us in moving with intentionality, moving in a sense that we are always purposeful in mm-hmm. everything and resting. Dancing is always also about just as much of the movement as it is about the pauses. And I feel like we've been able to put those there after we kind of came to the realization that, hey, while some people pursuing as a career, super dope, I have s- wonderful friends who are doing amazing things as dancers, as careers, but I think I got to remember too, they're different people than I am. And you may also like attest to this too, that when you actually went through that journey, you were able to look within yourself because you had built those skills of mindfulness to be like, yeah, this isn't right for me, let me pivot. And you had that courage to also pivot. With that, how would you advise people that are listening to this podcast to practice that mindfulness when it comes to either pursuing a creative outlet or even having to do something that you're doing, like you're pivoting and doing a huge transition process that comes with Mm. a lot of just mental
1: exercising and a lot of mental conflict how does one actually get through that I mean we always have this tendency to want to like push those feelings aside like really sit with them no I mean seriously as I grow older which I'm not old but as I grow older I mean the more that I realize how fast life goes by and it's it's the most cliche thing in the world but I guess it's a cliche for a reason because it's it's one of those things where, like, all with all cliches, like, there's truth in it, but it really hits you when you truly experience it. You know, all of those feelings will pass at some point, and it's just a part of your life. I mean, I think that I've been looking a lot, uh, even just through, like, self, uh, self-help therapy, like, um, Radical Acceptance is one of my favorite books. Just really accepting who we are in the moment accepting how we feel and kind of reframing those like black and white thoughts to be like oh no wait like this is what I can offer to myself and it's not as black as and white as we think it's not as black and white as you know other people want us to believe maybe so really just befriending those kinds of really uncomfortable and sometimes even painful feelings I mean they are all a part of life radical acceptance I mean they're there are times when life will be really hard and it's just part of the process and you have to go through it. You have to go through all of those growth and expansion periods and it is bringing, bringing you somewhere where you are more, you know, the more authentic you I think is meant to be. Um, And you may not know, right? It may be a very big surprise, but you know, just, just know deep down that you are always changing. You are always evolving and you know, what is meant for you will come for you. So I don't know what that looks like for me, but I know what I don't want. And I kind of have an idea of what I do want, but I'm also just leading by curiosity. And of course I'm in a privileged place to say that, right? (laughs) Like I I have enough time and resources and money to do that. Just curiosity. Like I, and I, I say that in language learning too, like curiosity is what will, will guide you through. And it won't, F- make you feel like you have to stick to a certain label or you f- you have to do something in order to be that label like just be curious and turn every single statement that you say to yourself like into a question use that curiosity to guide you forward damn you ate that mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I Love it. To say it.
0: damn. <laughs> and as I say that you ate that which haha the title of the podcast being eat like an artist i do want to kind of wrap up from there because i don't know what more else we could say about mindful entrepreneurship because you just encompassed that in that response so really last thing is what advice do you have for our listeners who are trying to break into The world of creative entrepreneurship, if you had to put it into one sentence.
1: The one thing that I did discover about myself is when I'm trying to set up my website, I cannot keep anything under like 25 words, like no sentence. Like it's (laughs) it's so rambly. So that's really hard. Let's see. (laughs) Let curiosity and authenticity be your guide because I think, as creative entrepreneurship, and the fact that I really do think like And I'm really hoping for the future that this like starving artist stereotype, like, oh, like save the passion and your skills that you get from your passion just for fun. Like, I mean, there are there are always ways to monetize that. And I think we're just going to keep on getting more opportunities to monetize what we love. Not that you have to and not that everything that you love has to be monetized. But if you do, like if that's one of your life values, then that's calling you. Then like really listen to your gut and lead with your own authenticity. And that's going to look different for everyone else, but in just the sea of like information and people like being online and everything. I mean, that's, that's the number one tip that I've gotten from a lot of what I've, I've read about be yourself as much as you can, as much as you feel safe to share. That's beautiful. And how can people support you after this episode? Of course. So my main platform is language travel adoptee uh, for my YouTube channel And that talks all about languages, but it also talks about really language encouragement because we often ignore the fact how like everything that goes on behind the scenes, behind language learning, um, self-doubt, imposter syndrome. I do also have a Patreon membership. If you do want to get like bonus episodes, I come out with those monthly because I do love (laughs) podcasting and just talking to myself. So if you want to join me with that, um, that would be awesome if you are interested. Um, But that's just where you can know me a little bit more and hear a lot more of my more like vulnerable stories. And I want to make sure that gets to the right audience. So all of those are included in my Patreon. I do also have a podcast named the uh, language wellness and identity podcast that is um I think it'll also be in the show notes but I do talk long term or long form about um language learning topics that really involve uncomfortable feelings so you know vulnerability jealousy comparison um even being again like I mean, a racial minority within the language learning online community space, um, which comes with its own challenges in itself. So I'm very open about that. And I know I'm not the only one who can relate to that. So I do like sharing about that. And then, of course, I also have a weekly newsletter where you can come up and check on me. I don't only give updates for language learning. I give updates on my personal life. So you can join me there, too.
0: And do you edit all of your videos and
1: podcasts
0: and newsletters?
1: I, for podcasts, I sometimes get someone to edit my episodes. But as I ramp up my YouTube channel, I'm definitely getting, well, I want to get out eight videos a month. So I'm definitely outsourcing like six of those videos (laughs) and then probably almost all of my podcast episodes. But right now it's only podcasts. Right now it's manageable.
0: Hey, so you're like, oh, you know, I just edit this and I just edit this. And I know you said that I'm Outsourcing some, but if anyone ever has doubts that you are not a creative, editing is a huge thing. So definitely pat yourself on the back on that. Love that you're really honing in your identity as a business owner, as a dancer, as a language learner, as an educator. Actually, I feel like you could also say that about yourself. We're also going to be eating food, not right now in the podcast. I was going to. What was the term? I was going to be like, and you're going to be an eater, but that doesn't sound, that sounds really weird. While me and Emily are going to go get some food because we are reaching that time where it's a little bit of a snacky snacky time. We're going to head to the outro. Um, thank you so much for speaking on here. You're awesome. Um, yeah. That's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, rate this podcast five stars and check out the link in the description to view the show notes. Everything in this episode is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace finance, tax, law, mental health, and other professional services. As always, we are here to support you because we don't believe in gatekeeping and we want all of our listeners to become thriving creatives. We'll continue the conversation about mindful creative entrepreneurship in next week's episode. Until then, stay inspired, keep creating, and eat some good food. This podcast was edited by Alexis Carrasquillo from Familia Creative Media.